it. The last call for Mo. Dot. <laughs> oh, God. Wow! Mo, thank God you saved my baby. That hideous man is a hero. Life don't seem so hard no more. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review episode EAB F17. It is the finale of season 14. It is Mo Baby Blues. I am Dando. I am Guy. We made it, Dando. We did make it, and it was a bit of a slog those last couple of weeks, but as I posted in the Patreon group today, this was a very sweet, pleasant surprise. A nice way to wrap up the season. I really enjoyed Mo Baby Blues. I, I found it quite enjoyable. Sweet is exactly the yep. right word for it, yes. And I think it I think it shows that if you've got something good at the core of your episode, like a, a solid story idea or a good emotional core, then it sort of, it can make up for possibly lackluster jokes or lapses in credibility or something like that. Not that this episode had too many of those, but the idea of Mo finding something to live for via Maggie uh, was just sweet and kept and kept you engaged all, all the way through. That's from, speaking for myself, at least. Yeah, well, even the most classic of Simpsons episodes have lackluster jokes in them. You can't, you can't have. I mean, there are some perfect episodes. I mean, there's no such thing as perfect, but it's pretty close to perfect. But a lot of the original, you know, golden year of the Simpsons, there are some shit jokes in there as well. But as oh, yeah. you said, the story here was. Sweet, which is a weird thing to say considering it was a Mo-based episode. Mm. But what they did was they made it feel very true to the character. And yeah. no- nothing here felt out of place. It all felt believable. And I've always remembered this one for some reason as the one where Mo gets creepy and creeps on Maggie. Even the creepy moments, he still had the right intentions. It wasn't like he was trying to kidnap her or anything. It wasn't It wasn't creepy no, no. in like pedophile sense. It was just... And I could have done without the pedophile joke at the end. It didn't really need to be there. Yeah. But <laughs> I-, I think that even the creepy aspects... Were just more of him. Just he 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 was looking. He, he loved hanging out with Maggie and wanted yeah. to help. And he was he just wanted to help. That's all it was. Yeah. He found, uh, which is a phrase I used a bit uh, speaking with Lou on the weekend. The joy of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just yes. he, he liked feeling wanted. Yeah, and he was good at it. Yeah, Maggie enjoyed hanging out with him as well. Yeah, a very nice episode. Yeah, very, very nice episode. So, as we said, this is the season finale. We announced last week that Philip J. Hawkins was the winner of the Guy Davis New Name Championship. But at the end of this podcast, once Guy has done his new names and the everything else at the end of that little segment, we're going to be drawing out a wild card winner who will also win themselves $50 cold hard cash sent straight to their mm. preferred account. Usually PayPal accounts, probably the easiest way for me. But yes, if you <laughs> want to be a part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship for season 15, you're just going to be a $1 plus patron, patreon.com slash four finger discount. But yes, yeah, so at the end of this podcast, when we do the new names, we'll draw out the wildcard winner of season 14 for the Guy Davis New Name Championship. Also, I'm, a couple of announcements. Go, go, go. I'm, I'm just happy to hear that we're doing a season 15, Dent. <laughs> we're coming back. <laughs> we're coming back because uh, a couple of announcements here. So first of all, we do several other podcasts here in the Four Finger Discount Network, but because of various things in our personal lives, mostly me just you know trying to raise two kids, one with a silent reflux and a few other things that just going on in our lives, it's been hard to be consistent. But And me being me being terribly lazy. <laughs> but we've managed to lock down a schedule. So going forward in twenty twenty two, every second Monday you're gonna get an episode of Talking Seinfeld, and then the following Monday you're gonna get South Park. So alternating Mondays is going to be Talking Seinfeld and Going Down to South Park podcast that we do here mm. on Four Finger Discount. And every second Friday, you're going to get the one about Friends, which is hosted by myself and Nicola. So every so they're bi-week, all these shows are bi-weekly for now um, mm-hmm. because, you know, full-time jobs, raising kids, everything. But if we get enough support, enough VIP members on Four Finger Discount Patreon's page, we can leave our jobs and do this full-time, which means you're going to get all these podcasts weekly. So at the yeah. moment, 
bi-weekly on Mondays. You're going to get Talking Seinfeld and Going Down to South Park. So if you like those shows, check it out. As well as bi-weekly on Friday nights, you're going to get Nicola and myself discussing Friends with the one about Friends. All of these podcasts are available for free uh, wherever you find your podcasts, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, whatever. But you get the usual early access and bonus reviews and all that kind of stuff if you're a four-finger discount patron. Also, Mr. Davis. Yes, Mr. Dando. People have been asking for it. It went away about a year ago, if not more. It's finally making its return. It is Tales of Futurama back here mm. on the Four Finger Discount Network. Now, it's going to be a little bit different because it used to be hosted by my, uh, Mitch and myself. Mitch is a little bit busy at the moment, which you'll find out next week because on <laughs> next week's show, Mitch is going to be making a big special appearance, a return, one time, not one time only, but just a big return. He's going to come back every now and again with a very big announcement on next week's Season 15 premiere episode. So make sure you stick around for that one next week. If you want to hear yourself some Mitch, he's got a big announcement. But yes, Tales of Futurama is going to be returning, hosted by yours truly and Guy Davis. So that's mm. going to be bi-weekly on Fridays. So bi-weekly on Mondays, Seinfeld and South Park to kick off your week. And bi-weekly on Fridays, Friends and Futurometer to end your week and begin your weekend on a good note. So plenty of podcasts here on the Four Finger Discount Network. And if you enjoy what we do here, we'd love your support by becoming a VIP at Four Finger Discount, a family member at patreon.com slash Discount. For as little as $1, you get access to a bunch of podcasts, the Facebook page, Guy Davis New Name Championship. You can also get uh, Zoom calls with Guy and myself. You can Ooh. get early access to all the shows we, he- get, we do here. You name it out in the podcast and much, much more. Patreon.com slash Discount to support the show. All right, Mr. Davis. Also, later in this episode, we have a listener question of the week. Would you like to hear what it is for this week? I would indeed. Please tell me. It is, which Simpsons quote do you use the most in real life? Yes, and we've posted it on the Instagram (laughs) slash Twitter slash Facebook pages, and we've got some pretty funny responses. So I'm interested to hear what yours is too, Mr. Davis, because it's hard to nail it down to one. I've got three quotes that I use a lot, and I'll explain <laughs> them a little bit later in the show. So, listen to question of the week. Which Simpsons quote do you use in real life? Also, guys, don't forget, if you want to contact us, the best way to do so is simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. If you write in, we will write back. That's right. We read all the emails that come through, and if you've got a question for us, just a message to us, it's just simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. Oh, my God. That was TMI. That was too much information. <laughs> it is now time for our little rundown of Mo Baby Blues. So, as you said, a very, very sweet, entertaining way to end the season. I know you really enjoy the character of Mo. What you, Did you think it was true to the character? I, I, I think it was. I think this felt very much Mo, but a side of Mo that we don't get to see all that often. I think when you have uh, someone who's a bit monstrous, like mm. Mo, not necessarily monstrous, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it, it can be, you know, hey you, hey, you in the bushes. Yes. It is generally hiding a soft, gooey centre. Yeah, I completely agree. And even, like, there was moments in this episode where he was being hit on by the woman. So, <laughs> it, like, that, that was the, when he says, you watch the kid while I go rent a room. That's classic Mo. Oh, very much so, yeah. And, I mean, I think that's what I enjoyed about it. It, it wasn't a 180-degree shift no. of, like, oh, well, Mo likes a baby or, or Mo's found a reason to live and now he's not Mo, or he's a completely different person. No, he's the same as he ever was, but his heart, like the Grinches, has been expanded a few sizes. So it's a, it's gone up a size or two. I thought there was going to be more focus on the Mo versus Homer aspect, fighting for Maggie's love. But mm. I think I really appreciate and prefer the, the avenue they went down where it was more of them working together to, to find Maggie and that kind of thing, as opposed to Homer and Mo at angst with each other trying to fight for their baby's love. It's like that, that was never Mo's... Mo's angle. He never wanted to steal Maggie. He never wanted to make. No, no. He never wanted to be her father figure. So I'm glad they went the avenue they did. It made the episode far more believable. It was good that everyone sort of wanted to do the right thing in their own ways. I mean, you could see when Maggie's you know, expelled from her <laughs> clearly cheap um, baby harness or whatever. Homer does his damnedest to, to rescue her. I mean, he's running across cars. He's going the full nine yards. It's fantastic. So. Yeah, there are there are no real villains no. in this episode, unless you're talking about the mob contingent of Springfield, which was still even funny in itself. I thought it was a great sort of because you know he explains the Godfather saga to Maggie, so it was a nice little introduction, little seed plant for the for the finale. Indeed. Well, if we're talking about favorite moments, I mean, are we going okay. to wait, 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 wait for the intro? <gasps> hey, my favorite. 
and now commence. <laughs> oh, okay. We're talking favourite moments now because, yeah, I mean, I think the best kind of babysitter is one who will introduce you to stuff that's a little bit above your pay grade. Mm. They corrupt you a little bit. And this isn't corrupting because Mo is introducing Maggie to one of the greatest films in American cinematic history. So props to Mo. But, yeah, I just love that he's done the whole story of The Godfather acted it out, thrown in a few embellishments here and there or sort of told his version. And when she gets weepy, he's like, all right, guess we're watching Godfather Part 2, which is exactly what I did the other night. I had really? the Godfather on. I was like, well, I can't stop now. <laughs> but did you stop after two, though? That's no, no, I actually went the third. Oh, you went the third. Well, I, this, this is over a few days, though, so yeah. Okay. How great was the line from Joe here? Obviously, he was in Godfather 3. I yeah. haven't cried this much since I paid a ticket to see Godfather 3. <laughs> He's, uh, I think I was big upping him on Twitter about that. I should have. I don't know if he's on Twitter, Joe. I mean, I should have. I think he jo- is. Yeah, yeah. I should have done a Joe Montana, but it was just some splendid ham acting from Joe in Godfather Three. He's you know he's really going for it. So it's pretty mild. But everyone is. He's in the scene with Andy Garcia, and Andy Garcia is just like taking huge bites out of the scenery. So Joe's like, "Fuck you, man! I'm going for it too." So yeah, I love. I love that bit. Um, but. One other bit that I really enjoyed was Mo sort of just bringing the sass, you know, when there's the um, who's son. No, no, no. With the at the birthday party when they've uh, Patty oh, was it Patty and Selma who's, who yeah, bought the rattle or way just to break, Selma? Way, way to break a five. What a great line! I'm going to use that from <laughs> now on. Anyone, anytime anyone cheats me, ah, good of you to break a five. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when he fixes up the uh, the the bow, yeah, she hates looking like crap. <laughs> <laughs> I really, so, I really enjoyed. So they're, they're funny moments. I I just like the sweet moments of when he catches Maggie and she gives him a kiss, and you know, mm. life. Does, he says, "Life don't seem no so hard no more." I was like, it was a nice is, reading, wasn't it? It was really, really great, and the animation of his face, sort of going from a a frown <laughs> to a smile, mm. was really good. Also, uh, the end. I loved the way they played on the. That uh, he thinks he's caught on the tree, yeah. But he's not caught on the tree. It was actually Maggie pulling his shirt. That was really good. But sure. the mo- the funny moments that I liked were the montage with the "You're My Best Friend" by Queen, mm. where he pulls out a tire iron and beats the shit out of Nelson's car <laughs> yeah, with the with the photo yeah. <laughs> of, of uh, Mo beating up Nelson's uh, do- Dodgem car. Hilarious. It reminded me of when I was telling the story of when the kid was not looking after Elliot's toys very well. And oh, then a, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> also, I really liked Homer being late for work and he gets into Burns' car. Hey, you got into my carpool. I'll never know. <laughs> Still eating a waffle. I, have, have you ever done much carpooling with anyone or anything like that? I don't think so. Not to work anyway, no. I've always, I've always lived close to it. I used to work at Ford, obviously, which is yeah. a two-minute drive from my house. Now I work at Pop Culture, which is a five-minute drive from my house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just... I'm imagining carpooling with people and, you know, eventually you sort of get familiar with them more and more. It's like, do you really have to bring your breakfast into my car, dude? Yeah, that'd be very annoying. I've carpooled to, like, the football or whatever. Yeah. But the, the thing is, I hate when you carpool with people you don't know and within five minutes, you know, oh, I just, I'm just not going to get along with this person. No, no. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, great. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, trivia for Mo Baby Blues. Can I kick off this week? Of course you can. When they were entering the Springfield Botanical Gardens, there were various hedges around, like hedge statues kind of thing, like, like Edward Scissorhands would carve. Yes. Do you know Topiaries. what they were? Okay. Hmm? Do you know what uh, they were? I do not know what they were. I know they're called topiaries, but I do not know what they were. That that escaped my my uh, glimpse, my glance, but my there eyes. Was just, there was just an elephant and a horse, but then there was Kang and Kodos, the aliens, Jebediah, oh. Jebediah Springfield, and then the life in hell rabbit Binky. <laughs> Sharp eyes, Dando. Well done, sir. Uh, a question for you. What time uh, in the empty bar does Mo check the clock? That was 11.15 a.m. Is that right? That is correct, sir. That's correct. And my next question is, what did the Don, not Fat Tony, the other Don, call Maggie? He goes, oh. A bambino. A bambino. <laughs> or a bambino. I speak no language any good. <laughs> Your next one. Uh, where did Marge find Grandpa Simpson? Oh, crying in the cemetery. That is also correct. My final question is, what did Wiggum mispronounce when he burst into Moe's apartment? Moe's room? He said scum freeze bag. <laughs> <laughs> Which Alrighty. would probably be my porn name. <laughs> scum freeze bag. 
Uh, my last question to you. What year in the Chinese calendar are they enjoying at the Simpson household? As in what animal? Yes. It was the year of the rat because I wrote my notes very much 2022, the year of the rat. <laughs> Is he? Oh, okay then. I'll tell you what. No, no, no I uh, mean it's in the rat tests. Oh, oh, <laughs> Dando, you, you, you're a winner with the wordplay. I'm, I'm very slow today. It's, it's stinking hot here in Geelong. I'm not built for heat, so. And we're both just plain stinking. We're <laughs> you got the stink lines and everything. Um, I will say that dim sum feast mm. that uh, with the eight different dipping sauces that Marge whipped up, hot damn, mm. delicious. <laughs> By the way, listeners, if you can hear a crying baby outside the door, I do apologise. I will do my best to remove that sound from this podcast. <laughs> and yes, it is in fact Dando's baby. I have not kidnapped a baby <laughs> yet. <laughs> All right, guys, that is trivia for Mo Baby Blues. We'll be right back after this short break with our full in-depth review. Yeah. Good news, everyone. Everyone's favourite podcast from the year 3000 has returned. Yes, it is Tales of Futurama. Each week, we'll be going back and revisiting every episode of the series, discussing the themes, gags, and all the Easter eggs you may not have seen the first time around. It's Tales of Futurama, available now exclusively at patreon.com slash discount. The original air date of Mo Baby Blues was May 18th, 2003. It was written by Jay Stewart Burns, which was their first episode written for the series, and I think they've got off to a very good start. By mm. the way, we want to throw out an apology to Mark Wilmore, who we hung shit on last week. Unfortunately, we did a little bit, yes. Yes, unfortunately, Mark passed away last year. So we didn't, hang, we didn't hang shit on him as a person. We hung shit on the episode and the way it was written. We apologise to any of his friends or family who were listening to the show. We weren't aware that he unfortunately passed away in 2021 due to COVID. Our thoughts go out to his family. We are very sorry about it. We absolutely meant no disrespect or uh, or harm to uh, Mark's loved ones. Yes, please accept our um, our apologies. And the episode was directed by Lauren McMullen. Or McMullen. Mm. May I just say before we begin, mm. Mo Baby Blues is a bit of a play on the title of the Spike Lee film, Mo Better Blues. Uh, there was no chalk gag, as I said. The living room for the cash gag was made of gingerbread and candy was one we've had before, where Homer takes a bite out of Bart's head. Mm. The episode kicks off with the family arriving at the Springfield Botanical Gardens. Lisa laughs at the joke, our pistons are a pistol. Do you want to explain to the listeners why that's funny? I would have to do some research as to why that's the case. I've, re- I've my first note here is I'm with the rest of the family. I don't. That, Lisa's just being kind of annoying. Here. Do you see that? I sort of saw it as a gag of taking the piss out of themselves because they put so much effort into these things and mm. no one cares. But do you want to hear why that's funny? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we? Should I do a little research and find out why? It's- I just assumed you'd. No. <laughs> oh, I'm no horticulturist. Do some research, yes. I'll continue whilst you're looking it up. So they are there for the blooming of the Sumatran century flower, which mm. blooms every 100 years. And Homer is wondering, why does Lisa get to pick the family activities? And she says, because whenever you pick a number between 1 and 10, it's always 7, you know, just like the seven apostles. <laughs> yeah, now I didn't get this bit that he follows up with. The 12 apostles, big staff, not funny. Maybe there was 12 uh, writers on the writing staff or something. I just thought maybe it was a gag at themselves again. Anyway. Quite possibly. I'm still looking, by the way, for the Mo Baby Blues ah, gag. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So we then get the Venus flytrap gag. Is this how they actually work? Or do they actually lure in uh, unsuspecting prey with their, with like a, to say, for example, a dead fly, trying to get something to come into the town and catch a dead fly, and then they'll grab that animal? Is that how they work? What Am I that... Costa guy with the big beard from Gardening Australia. I don't know these things. I know about the Simpsons. And maybe so, Seinfeld. Homer, Homer eats his way out of the flytrap <laughs> because it lures him in with a hot dog. Yeah. No, no. I, I can say with 99.98 degree um, percentage certainty. Mm-hmm. That a Venus flytrap has never used a hot dog to lure in its prey. <laughs> <laughs> Mo is wondering where everybody is, and he turns on the TV, and it appears that they're all at the greatest show on dirt, which is the blooming of this flower. You know, they're, they're my customers' only friends. And then he's realised he's really sad he's been replaced by a cooler, but you know, he, he realises it makes sense. You know, cheaper and more efficient. But he decides he's going to go join them. But before he does, he sets the alarm, and this alarm is just very <laughs> Mo. Very Mo. It's very uh. Kevin McAllister-esque, this, uh, this alarm. 
Yeah. Just say, for example, uh, who, who does the Get Out films? Jordan Peele? Jordan Peele, yeah. If he did it like his own version of Home Alone, like a horror movie, this would be the alarm. <laughs> I was about to say, because, I mean, I think Kevin having this particular booby trap, uh, you know, against Harry and Marv, I don't know, I think it would take Home Alone in a in a brand new direction. I think it would no longer be rated G and be a, uh, an evergreen Christmas family favourite. I mean, he did fire a nail at Marv's face. It's pretty intense. Actually, I should re I should revisit Home Alone. I think there's a lot of gnarly stuff that goes on in that movie. Yeah, 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 a lot of gnarly stuff. But they, uh, I wonder how many kids injured their siblings or parents or whatever trying to pull off the same booby traps that Kevin the, did. The answer is so many. Really? Oh yeah, it has to be. <laughs> so they he arrives late, but yeah, from the get go, I just thought Mo was just written perfectly in this. So you know, I'm comfortable, I'm calm, and but looks at me, I've got a hypodermic full of bleach and. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just, it's very much the Mo character. He is desperate for attention, but he also hates people. Yes. I can, I can relate. Yeah, exactly. We all want to socialize, but then when it gets to the point where I have to get off the couch and go socialize, I'm like, oh, I want to fucking go socialize. What's that meme? It's like the, um, you've got a, oh, I've forgotten the actual wording, but it's something like, oh, the joy of being loved, the terror of being known. Yeah, I think we've discussed this last week, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's usually a cat, sort of like a lovely smile on the face, and that's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, you, if I have to be loved, I'm going to have to be known by people? No. Yeah. But they're officially over capacity of 2,500 people, so he's looking for someone who's alone, already bitter, someone whose feelings have already been trampled on, so one more time, oh, Mo. <laughs> and Mo just cops it on the chin, but he requests that he gets pushed down the hill. Muddy because hill. he's desperate for any human contact. Yeah, I, I love feel, that line. You feel so sorry for him. The flower then begins to open, and Sideshow Mel's getting a lot of lines lately, I've discovered. Yes, they sort of give him a little... Um, Dramatic theatric lines. Mm, yes, yeah. and, and once again, another sledge at James Coker. Well, I think they've only really sledged him twice. There was the time in hell with the donuts, and now, what was this, ski boots? Yeah, yeah James Coco ski boots. Listeners, I don't know. How many listeners know Dom DeLuise, do you think? Oh, I assume a lot of them, I reckon. Okay, then. Well, yeah, James Coco was a bit Dom DeLuise. She was a, you know, a rotund kind of fellow, bald, sort of a, a, a chubby clown of a he person. He sings uh, Short People Got on The Muppet Show. <laughs> Does he? <now? laughs> he sings Short People, yeah. That was my introduction to, this, introduction to the song uh, The Short People oh. by uh, Randy, Randy Newman. Newman. Yeah, uh, he, but he sang it. James Coco sang it on The Muppet Show. <laughs> Um, but yes, he was a very rotund man, bald head. He, he looks like a fatter version of you've seen um, uh, Thirty Rock, right? You I have know seen her. Uh, so Tina Fey's like lead writer, the guy with the bald head. Oh yes, he very much. He looks like a fatter version of that guy. A little bit like that, yes. Yeah. So let's set the gas and flare your nostrils in olfactory anticipation. But the gas is hideous, and Krusty jumps into the manure because it stinks like James Coco ski boots. <laughs> Mo is alone, kicking the cans down the street. He sees a homeless guy and I listen not like him, but, you know, has a hot girl. So even, even, even he's got the hot girl. Mo's got yeah. nobody. Well, the guy does have a trolley full of cans. That is true, yeah. Everyone tries to leave and get out. Homer returns to trample on that one last flower. Very Simpsons. And then Homer gets in the car. So long, suckers, but then cut to the traffic jam. So actually, there was a moment just before this when Mo arrived. So several times throughout this episode, we had a fade transition. I don't recall mm. there being any... Maybe a couple. Like, I there's one in Boy Scouts in the Hood, but there aren't many fade transitions in The Simpsons. I just thought it added a different feel to the episode. Hmm. It wasn't just a cut to the next scene. It was fading to the next moment. And if, you, if you go back and rewatch it and notice the fades, it's like it was more. It was like it was like a relaxing transition. I, I liked well, it. Well, The Simpsons has often been quite cinematic in its technique. Mm. So yes, good on them for that. But we cut to the traffic jam on the bridge and. Everyone gets out of the car. You know, it's nice not being stuck in there watching the TV. Hey, that car's got a TV in it. That was a novelty that I don't think really took off. I guess probably because of iPads and things like that. People just use their iPads now. But there were a few people. I had one friend who had a DVD player in his car. And I thought, and he didn't have kids or anything. He just had, a, he, like, he drove the really? car by himself. And he used to just like having the movies on whilst he was driving. But he, didn't, he reckoned he didn't watch them. He just liked having them on. I was like, just seems pointless to me yeah <laughs> I mean, just have the radio dude just have yeah. podcasts or whatever <laughs> well I think podcasts were even a thing in like 2005 were they no 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 but it's more and more you're sort of seeing I mean I always found it a bit weird with the little TVs in the in the back of the back seats seat. you know, yeah, for yeah. the kids it's like <sighs> this isn't a fucking aeroplane yeah just you know look out the window or talk to you or 
the person next to you or read a book. Although you yeah. also aren't a parent with kids that are screaming in the back seat when you go for a car ride. <laughs> okay, yes, that is correct. So, all right, well, <laughs> I take back pretty much everything I said. I do, I do that anyway. <laughs> But anyway, so they're watching on TV. They're watching the Beverly Hillbillies Down Under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At first, I thought this was a bit like random just to have this in there, but I thought this, they still used to have these kind of things in the earlier seasons as well. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the the didgeridoo don't and whatnot. Carlin asked to put on the baseball game. They love these sort of like black power gags, don't they? They've had a few recently. Yeah. Yeah, but. Uh Look, anytime we get a shout out to the great poet Langston Hughes, that's where a dream deferred is a dream denied mm-hmm. comes from. That's okay. I mean, someone may be watching this episode and go, it's a pretty interesting phrase. I might look it up on that newfangled thing called the internet. And there you go. You get introduced to a great American poet. Nice, nice work, Simpsons. Even if the gag was kind of like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> Homer tries to take off because he sees there's a bit of space in front of him, slams the brakes on, and because of the crappy latch, uh, Maggie <laughs> flies out of the roof. I love the, my baby, your baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how happy she was to be sort of flying there because yeah. I imagine, yes, if you were a child or a small person, whatever, being sort of having that, oh, that'd be pretty neat. Oh, wait a minute. Gravity. Mm. Ah, no. Elliot's just sort of learnt on the swing because he goes a lot higher now. When he goes backwards, he's like, makes my tummy feel funny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so Moe's on the bridge. And it's actually quite, tragic's a bit much, but it's actually quite sad. Even the way it's written, Mm. the way it's acted. Moe's like about to kill himself. And it's not played for gags. It's just, no, this is the end for Moe. Yeah. It was a nice touch though. I like the, this is the last call for Moe. Mm. Playing on his bartending. So I, I really liked it. And he catches Maggie. Uh, just by chance, and that hideous man is a hero, and Maggie kisses him, and yeah, just a really, really beautiful moment. And as you said, life don't seem so hard no more. Yeah, and just the re- I thought, like you said, the reading of that was so well done. I thought mm. Hank nailed it, yeah. We come back, and Homer's reading the paper about the baby saved by local hero, not father. <laughs> <laughs> and then he sees the ad for Cossington's. Those pants are standing up with no one in them. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, I don't know. I just think Costington's is a good gag. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're only sort of like a later season gag. Though. I think they're mm. into like season nine, maybe. But yeah, uh, it's a very, very clever title. Mo then arrives to check in on Maggie. And Marge has knitted him a sweater. And even, like, he's not used to gifts. So he's like, what, what's the gag? What's the gag? Yeah, nothing but. And I thought you would have loved this next bit. Hey, I was in a neighborhood and uh, thought I'd, you know, check in on Maggie. Mo, I'm glad you're here. I wanted to thank you so much for saving my baby. So I knitted you a nice warm sweater. Aw, oh, look at that. That's so soft and thoughtful. And what's the gag? Is it full of chiggies? No, no. All that's in there is love and gratitude. Ah, oh, Jesus. Something in my eye. Ah, oh, it's just some glass. I dug that he thought it was full of chiggies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really liked that. He wore this jumper throughout the episode after this. True. Yeah. It was nice, wasn't it? It wasn't just a one-off gag. Everything meant something throughout this. It was mm. nice. And Maggie is happy to see him, but Homer is late for his uh, for, for work, so he races out and he's into Burns' carpool, which I said I really enjoyed. Then Grandpa arrives because the Swedish are coming and he's in his undies and he's got a, a, a helmet, uh, not a helmet, a, a pan yeah, on a his pen. head. Yeah. They have, they've ch- they changed the medication or they forgot to give him his medication? One of I think three. they've changed it. Yeah, changed it. And so he's running down the street. It was just basically a reason to get Marge and Homer out of the house so that she had to be left behind with yes. Mo. As, as inciting incidents go, it's a little clumsy, but it gets from A to B, so I will allow it. Yeah, um, yeah. Also... I don't know if anyone has strong feelings about Maggie, what another Mount Mo certainly does in this episode, but I mean usually she's sort of a, a bit of a device, a bit of a a gag delivery vehicle. But um she's got such personality in this episode. She's a very charming baby. A lot of the times I see Maggie and it's just like, ah, she's too grown up for a baby, right? Mm. I'm not really sure how old she's supposed to be. Well she can't quite walk yet, but she she's you know, between maybe twelve months and eighteen months, I'd say, right? Yeah. I see so much of Holly and Maggie in this episode. <laughs> She's just, Holly's just got this little personality now where, you know, she'll walk over to grab something and you go, uh-uh, and she looks at you with a big smile on her face. And it's just like, I watch this going, this is like watching Holly. Yeah, it was, I, I really liked it. Oh, that's Maybe that's adorable. why I like this one so much because it just reminded me of Holly. It's, 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 I think being a parent has definitely changed my perception of the, of the show for sure. <laughs> but uh, so she's been left behind with, with Mo. And 
here, this is basically, I feel like this would be you. If you could dislocate your arm, it's just like, all right, how do I entertain this kid? Uh, I'll just dislocate my arm. <laughs> like, whatever it takes to make this kid laugh. You know? <laughs> I played a lot of peekaboo when I was uh, yeah. when I Peekaboo's was the classic. Peekaboo's the, the, the go-to, definitely. Yeah. The, it was years before he could do this without fainting. Then we cut to Maggie and Mo with their little cushion bar, basically. I love that. I thought that was so great that he did play, you know, like tea party. He set up a, he set up an actual bar he, and you could tell he went to a real effort. Yeah, and he was really into it. And it, yeah, it was just it was really well done, you know, Raggedy Ann's giving you the eye. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll, 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 I'll get him out. <laughs> I'll get him out. Yeah. It was so yeah, it was really, really well done. Uh but yeah, so grandpa then was found crying in the cemetery, so Marge returns and Mo says, you know, this was great, and you know, gave him some good warm feelings and kind of like when you're drunk in the snow. I'm assuming he means when you piss yourself, is that right? I'm thinking that sort of maybe when you lie down in the snow and you're just kind of like, apparently freezing to death is a bit like that. Well, okay, fair enough. Yeah, like when you, if you're lost and you've got hypothermia, if lost in the in the cold or the wilderness, or whatever, and you yeah. get hypothermia, apparently it provides a great sort of sense of calm. Oh, well, there you go. Learn something every single yeah. week with you, Mr. Davis. Although, but, uh, ma- although maybe he did piss himself, which is all, <laughs> which is also great. Because you ain't cool unless you pee your pants. Exactly right. Mars Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie is sad to see Mo go. And uh, Marge, you know, she's really grown a... What's, what's the term? She's really... Attached. attached yeah, to, to you. Um, she's, she says to him, you know, you can be a babysitter sometimes. And um, he said, are, are you free? And he looks at her, nothing, nothing. I was going to replace these <laughs> apostrophes with G's, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, how great was this next bit? Uh, she's still sad. Oh, it's because I've still got her nose. nose. Yeah. How sweet was that? <laughs> it was really, and then it's just the here you go, you little idiot. Yes. Was, and like, that's pretty much what it is. It's like ki- these kids, you love them, they're just idiots. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's a mean thing to say, but he says it in such a good natured way as well. Oh, yeah, there you go, you little idiot. Well, how many times have you called like maybe not your your children? Your they're your children, but you're like your like your dog or your pet or something like you little dickhead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I usually say rat bags about the kids. Yes, true. I yeah. got rat bag. <laughs> Yeah, because they do rat baggy stuff. But I mean, you don't want to be like a, an abusive parent. So, no, you fool, <laughs> you blithering idiot. Yes, <laughs> you rat bag. Oh, what a face! She looks just like you. You calling her repellent? Well, n- no, no, I was just because you ain't exactly Karen Allen yourself, you know. You idiot! I was trying to pick you up. Oh, great. Uh, well, why don't you play with the baby while I go rent a room? Ugh. Boy. That's one for the Christmas letter. What a nut. One thing I like about Mo, and I like a lot of things about Mo, he's got terrific taste in actresses. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the times he name checks them, it's like, well, we all know about my thoughts on Sybil Danning, but Karen Allen gets name checked in this episode, of course, the star of Raiders of the Lost Ark, National Lampoon's Animal House, and the great John Carpenter movie Starman. Bridget Fonda gets a, a shout out a little bit later on. Yeah. Oh. Like, get out? <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean like get out like that way? Like get banged, Bridget Fonda? So, yes, respect for Mo for his taste and also for not taking um, that insult lying down. And then we cut to the great montage of, it's not even a montage, it's just a clip with a great song choice. I love You're My Best Friend by, by Queen. It's just it's, it's a good one, isn't it? It's one of those feel-good songs that no matter, you put, you put that song on and everyone in the room smiles. It's hard not to smile. And, uh, yeah, so it's Nelson being a bit shifty with the Dodgem cars. So One of our patrons pointed this out. He has a tyre iron, despite the fact that Dodgem cars have no tyres. <laughs> <laughs> well well spotted. Yeah, and that's that photo of Nelson crying, running away, and Maggie smiling in the background is just yeah. the greatest. So funny. Then we catch the family. They're all having dinner, as you mentioned earlier, with the dim sum with eight kinds dipping of dipping sauce, sauce homemade so- dim sum with eight different dipping sauces which yeah. honestly god made me want to order in some uh, some asian cuisine this evening which i did not do <laughs> see chinese food always makes me feel sick i don't know whether it's the is it msg they put in the food i think chinese? it's your inherent racism dando <laughs> <laughs> i love thai food thai food is the best but for some reason chinese food but maybe it's the the, the dishes cuz i usually get the honey chicken maybe it's just too sweet for me i'm not too sure could possibly be. Get, right get in, listeners. SimpsonsMailbag at gmail.com. Recommend some Chinese dishes that Dando can try out with his little sookie tummy. <laughs> yeah, it's great that Maggie's got a father figure in her life. She... Hey, wait. That's supposed to be me. You could be my father figure. No way. I'm not getting my fingerprints on that train wreck. But if I lose Maggie, I'm over three. I've got to get her back. I can help you. I said pipe down, Amtrak. So he's watching Maggie, and I thought here as well, this is very much you. Here's his trick with a penny. She eats it. 
well, we won't say anything about that to anybody. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, every like uncle or whatever who's been watching the kids, they've done something and gone, well, this is just between you and I. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We can't tickle Elmo anymore. And that, that gag still works in 2022. It does. It's more relevant than ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the slinky, fun for about two seconds, nailed it. That's, that's true. Did you ever have a slinky as a child? Or I did, or and I, it got, they used to always just get tangled really easily. They do, very easily, yeah. They yeah. go down the steps maybe three times, <laughs> and then after that's like, yeah. I love Milhouse. Remember when Milhouse does the, the slinky as part of his science experiment, and it just goes, just once? <laughs> <laughs> but I remember we bought Elliot a officially like licensed slinky dog from Toy Story. Like a oh. sl- it's actually a slinky. Mm-hmm. It took him fucking two minutes, and it was fucked. <laughs> Anyway, they're thinking of other things they can do because the slinky goes down the steps and whatnot. And Maggie suggests she reads or he reads Alice in Wonderland, or as he thinks it is, mm. Alice in Underpants. Underpants. Mm. <laughs> he goes through it, and the things he points out, it's like, yeah, I can see why you think that, Mo. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Eating mushrooms and everything. It's, it's a very trippy Disney film, Alice in Wonderland, isn't it? It is, and well, it's like the know, HR that- puffin stuff of Disney films. Yeah. Also, well, you know the um, the Jefferson Airplane song, White Rabbit. Is, yeah, true. Is is um, Alice in Wonderland? Alice in Wonderland reconfigured for the Trippin era for the modern lifestyle. I thought this was a fucking great line here from Mo. You know, it's nice being around someone who doesn't understand the horrible things I say. That sort of, <laughs> that sort of sums up his relationship. It's like he can just be himself, and Maggie's not judging him. Yeah, which is what I liked. Oh, granted, she's a baby, but still, it's just nice to to see a relationship between two characters that you never saw coming that just mm. seemed to fit so well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he tells the story of the Godfather. And I just thought you would have really appreciated this moment. Very much. Because <laughs> it's throwing in a whole bunch of... I mean, first of all, I loved... Um, I'm presuming it's Hank doing the... Um, yeah, doing the Hank brand. Doing yep. Yeah, uh, uh, Why don't we put an horse's head? <laughs> oh, that's, my, that's why you're the Godfather. <laughs> but, but all, I mean, there's actual... There's shout-outs to actual Godfather lines that are sort of a bit mixed around. It's like... Uh, Barzini, yeah, I won't be seeing him no more. That, that actually, they say that to, about Paulie, who you know, yeah. cops it in the back of the head, leave the gun, bring the cannoli. But um, I just, yeah, I loved all that stuff. But yeah, it's one of my favourite bits in The Godfather, actually, is where um, Don Vito is playing with his grandson in the garden and, you know, mm. the kid doesn't really know shit. And so, you know, I think Brando actually improvised this when they, okay. were, when they, when yeah. they were filming it, that he... Cut a bit of the, uh, the orange peel and put it in his mouth and sort act as a monster. And the kid was legitimately like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that little element though. Telling the story from the film played into the story of the episode as well. A little bit later as well. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a smartly written episode. This one. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like I said, not all the gags hit, but um, the most most of them do, and it's got a good, strong thematic and um, narrative through line to get all sort of wanky. <laughs> and we also get the a classic Mo sort of throwback, bam, right in the eye. <laughs> like the, the old fuck in the eye. <laughs> it's now Maggie's birthday party and he fixes her bow, as I said earlier. That's the way she likes it. She hates looking like crap. He yells at a poo son. A poo's, you know, he was just talking to that little girl who was not your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and Mo butchering the um, pronunciation of Nahasazima uh, Petalon by <laughs> rounding it out with much the way I butchered it just then, uh, by rounding it out with, I'm um, up over it. Yeah, something like that. And then Mo, uh, Homer tries to take her back. Back off, Mo. Maggie wants to be with me. This is how we play. This wormy, wormy spider squirts out of Daddy's hands. Daddy feels rejected. He's gonna eat some cake. I thought at this point here, I thought, okay, that's where they're going with this. Because I couldn't quite remember how it ended. But um, that's sort of it. I know, I know Homer, Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not so much Homer wants to compete with Mo. It's more just Mo is in his child's room in the middle of the night. So it's just, that's it, Mo. This is getting weird. Yeah. Yeah. And that, look, that's wholly understandable. But uh, yeah, yeah, the um, the the episode does sort of play it both ways in terms of like, yeah, as you said, Mo's not being... Creepy, creepy, but yeah, he's certainly... Best of intentions. He's overextending yeah. his bounds a bit, but yeah. uh, he's no, he's he, new, he's he new did it because whole... he was concerned, not did it because he's like, I just want to spend time with your daughter. It's like, yeah. no, no, she was crying. Yep. Uh, so then he gives her a playset that I wish I had, Uncle Moe's Play Tavern, with the <laughs> drunk Barney and the... I love the, I feed my, my pants. pants. <laughs> that was for that private use. use. <laughs> <laughs> I really want that playset. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> 
they then overhear the baby monitor and just, you know, both going, your turn, now your turn. This is literally Nicola and I on a nightly basis. Oh, Seriously. Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they race out because they hear Mo. And then even like, I think the camera was one step too far. Camera's too much Mo. <laughs> Get your own family, Mo. Hey, you never cared about Maggie till I started paying attention to her. Last night at the bar, you called her Raquel. Get out. Is that uh, get out like leave or get out as in get out? You bang Bridget Fonda? Get out. Get out that... that. Okay. Uh, maybe I can catch a late show of Alice in Underpants. Or maybe put him on the looking glass. We then get Mo at home. He's very, very sad. Um... Oh, no, sorry, sorry, he's at the the tavern. He's not at home yet. He's very sad. He imagines everyone as Maggie, doesn't he? Yes, he wants to rub a a tubby and get surprisingly a few takers. Mind if I kiss your tummies? Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) He feeds himself like a plane at home. So now he's at home and sees the happy tree elves on TV. Mm. Oh, it's our song. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember what he was feeding himself? Oh, was it like spaghettios or something? It was uh, spinach baby food. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was baby food. That's a nice little touch there as well. Well, the thing is, what's he, Maggie's not going to edit anymore, is he? He's not going to see yeah. him anymore. He might as well edit himself. Hmm. Homer and Marge then say to Maggie, don't worry, everything's going to be okay now. And Homer says a line here of, you know, it makes me want to have one of our own. I was like, eh, that's, yeah. that's, that's a bit silly because, I don't know, it just didn't, didn't need to be there, in my opinion. But um, I didn't think it was that bad, actually. I thought it was a not unfunny joke. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's ignorant Homer. Yeah. Maggie then overhears the mafia discussing whacking the Castellaneta family. Tonight, I want you boys to take out the Castellaneta family. Uh, I don't know, boss. My passion for whacking is waning. Perhaps this will cheer you up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's better. I can whack my own mother now. I'm glad you brought that up. Kill my mother? She makes such good pasta sauce. It comes from a cane. She's a corpse. Now, I must admit, I did write down here, why is Fat Tony plotting hits in the Simpsons' backyard? <laughs> yeah, that just did seem a bit, bit convenient, but at least they sort of made it make somewhat sense a little bit later on. I like that they acknowledged it, yes. We'll yes. get to that when we get to that. Maggie follows them. Um, Margin finds that she's gone, and Homer thinks that she's discovered... Uh, again, here, you know, discovered a snake farm. Doesn't really go anywhere either. Like, he's just like, yeah. did you discover my snake farm? Yeah, you know, I was going to, you know, buy and raise, or raise and sell snakes. snakes. It's like... What? Yeah, I mean, the thing that reminded me of was like, I will hug and kiss some poisonous snakes, <laughs> which, which is a line I really enjoy. And not one that I use often, although I could probably answer the listener question with that. But uh, yeah, you're right. It didn't really go anywhere, unless it was a shout out to that. I don't mm. think it was. They assume that it's Mo, for good reason. He was in her bedroom a little bit earlier. Yes. Yeah. They then go to his house and it looks like he's got Maggie in his arms and looks like he's thrown her in the oven. So oven. burst in. I mean, I'd be freaking out too. Scum, freeze bag. But um, I've got here, when they take the ham out of the oven, the animation defies all logic because it's a pan, right? And then when they take the lid off, the lid's a flat lid. But when they take the lid off, the ham is way above the top uh, of the pan. I was like, okay, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but that doesn't matter. <laughs> they solved the case of the missing ham. And that obviously the worst, world's worst cops knows the world's worst soccer coach because he's <laughs> off duty. But before that, though, Mo, he please, please, no, please let me help you find her. Hmm. And Marge agrees because Marge knows that he has the best of intentions. You know, it's not, it's Indeed. not, it's, you're not being weird. He just wants to help out. So she agrees. Lisa, it's now sort of like detective time. And Lisa's, you know, Maggie fell in the bushes, spit up over here and crashed a tricycle. I like, yeah. I, I mean, this was stupid, but I liked it. That was me. Because they, they move along quickly. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's classic Homer, in my opinion. Margin finds the orange wedge, which, you know, plays into the, the mobsters. And the mobsters usually congregate all the time outside the window. <laughs> Marge brings them lemonade. How good's the, it's time we take a trip to Italy. I'll go get our little, little passports. passports. <laughs> yep. Nice. <laughs> really, really good. The mob boss is then telling Fat Tony that he needs to sell out and sell to him. Ooh, clumsy us. I must go to the restroom. <laughs> again, a, again, a Godfather shout out because yeah. Um, yeah, when Michael Corleone has to uh, shoot the police chief, spoilers, um, yes, he has to go to the toilet to get the gun that's been stashed there. So, yeah, they Sorry, who, who wrote this episode? Jay Stewart Burns? Jay Stewart Burns, yeah. <laughs> what a, 
Oh, Jay Stewart Burns. <laughs> Actually, don't diss the writers. I didn't learn anything from last week. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you something. I was over visiting my mum today, and she said, "You know what I found? Oh, why am I putting on that voice for my mum? Show a little respect, guy. Um, you know what I found? She found a the porn comic. Uh, <laughs> no, I hid those. <laughs> She'll never find them." <laughs> She found a program from a an award ceremony from when I was at school oh. uh, back in '85 when I won the essay prize. Wow! And, but I, in it, I was billed as R. Guy Davis because I think I was going through a pretentious <laughs> phase where I'm like, "Well, my full name is Robert Guy Davis, but you know, write me down as R. Guy Davis." It's like, you actually requested that? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I did, but it's 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 in there, and it's like, oh God. <laughs> I, got well, I, I had this gr- I had this lovely moment of victory. I'd written this lovely essay that was being um, celebrated and awarded. And uh, yes, could you please make that out to our guy Davis? And then it was like early nineties hip hop, Robbie G Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I did bill myself as Robert Guy for Robert Guy Davis for a time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Robbie G. <laughs> when did you drop the Robert? I think maybe when I started doing reviews for the Addy for the okay. Geelong Advertiser, so probably mid nineties. Was it a hard decision? Like, was it something you had to think about? It was just like, ah, oh, no, I don't want people to think that I'm my dad, so I'm just going to be guy. Yeah, I think it was time to it was time to become. It was guy begins. Yes. Well, a lot of <laughs> listeners have actually requested that you discuss more about your career in writing. I so, have that look. There was some very nice feedback from from the patrons the other day, and I really, really appreciated it. And my apologies, I'm going to get in there and respond to a lot of comments that have been made and all that. But that was very sweet. So um, I don't know how interesting my <laughs> tales from the journalistic trenches will be, but I'll certainly share some of them with you down the line. We will indeed. But getting back to the yes. finale or the, the we, end of we now return you to the the reason people tune into the show the, the end of my baby blues so. I loved the follow-up to them going to the toilets. Those fellas should really consider some sippy cups. <laughs> <laughs> the whole clumsy ice in yeah. unison. <laughs> <laughs> but then Maggie walks in, a bambino. I, I just, I just <laughs> love it because that's exactly what an old Don would call a baby. A oh, bambino. Yeah. A, a bambino. bambino. Because we went to the Sunday market here in Belmont, Nicola, uh, not Nicola, uh, Elliot and myself, uh, mm. yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. And we went to the food van thing. And he wanted to get Ooh. a milkshake. And... He wanted some chips, and I was like, "Oh no, I only had five dollars." So then, this- <laughs> you didn't break a five. No, well, the the, the milkshake was four fifty, so I only had a five dollar okay. note, and I, I didn't take card. So, and then this elderly European lady went, "Oh, I get. Don't worry, the bambino can have whatever he wants." And she gives, gives him a bag of chips. Holy like, moly! I, I, I love the kids. I love the kids. I'm like, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> you realise I'm eating half these chips, like yeah, exactly. And anyway, yeah, I just, I it was just, yeah. Very, very, I highly recommend if you go to the Sunday market in Belmont and Geelong, go to the food van and buy up some food because I'm um, yeah. lovely, lovely lady in there. And take a baby. Yes, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so they then drop their fork. How great was that? Clumsy us. <laughs> <laughs> they help pull the guns out. Then the president of the Italian American Anti Defamation League arrives and well, he doesn't arrive. He just comes out and just really burns his cannoli. <laughs> There's just guns everywhere. I thought the visual of Maggie in the middle and the 360 spin really mm. well done. I really, really liked it. It sort of added to the drummer of the moment. I did like that Marge referred to it as an Italian American Mexican standoff as well. <laughs> right in the middle of that Italian-American-Mexican standoff. Oh, my God, I got a saber. No, you got a family. I'm the guy with nothing and no one. No, no, don't try to stop me. We're not. Your sleeve got caught on that tree. Here, let me unhook you. Off you go. Yeah, thanks. But, yeah, just that, that little plant there of the, the the tree holding him back. And then mm-hmm. I was like, no, you can go. In you go. But it was great because Mo, I wouldn't if he, oh, no, he is a hero. He is a hero. He was a hero by saving her. But but when he saved her, that was an accident. He saved her here because he is a hero. He actually put his life on the line to go save Maggie. And I thought yeah. it was a really good moment for the character of Mo. Yeah, really sweet moment. So he goes in. The second most guns have pointed at him. He says, you know, he wouldn't mind being shot last week. But, you know, everything's changed because of this little girl. Ain't she a doll? I like that. We're calling a little girl a doll. Ain't she a doll? Yeah. And they all just start bursting out crying. And yeah, I just thought, Mo, thumbs up. Legend. Yeah, really, really awesome stuff. And also Joe Montaigne shouting at Godfather 3 yeah. as well. Yeah, I never cried this much since I paid to see Godfather 3. They apologised to Mo. Sorry, I thought you were a baby napper or worse. Am I right? And I was like, didn't need it. Didn't need yeah, it. Yeah, that was... It, 
it kind of was a little bit of a spoiler. Not, not, not when, when I, I don't mean a spoiler in the modern sense. I mean, like, oh, you had to ruin it. You didn't need to say it, you know. You didn't need it. Didn't need it. But anyway, that's a slight little nitpick. He says that they're going home, or uh, Mo says he's going home because he might get some calls from a telemarketer. He thinks he's caught in the tree again, but no, this is Maggie grabbing his shirt. And Homer suggests, you know, maybe if we're ever in the neighborhood, we can drop by for some play dates with your ham. (laughs) (laughs) And we get another little clip with you're my best friend and various photos of Homer hanging out with the ham, which I thought was very funny, sweet, nice way to end the episode. I'll tell you what was very nice. The fact that uh, Maggie now has the nickname Magpie. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know they had magpies in America. No, nor did I. But uh, the way he interacted with Maggie, I mean, his very sort of rough gentleness. Mm. Nicknames like magpie or calling her a little idiot or or that. That's that's like another little, um, like a rug rat or whatever. Yeah, I think I I just think it's it felt very authentic and very genuine, but also very very nice. I liked it a lot. So. I'm going to say this. I think they saved the best to last. I think Mo Baby Blues was the best episode of season 14. I went through the whole list today at work, and I went through it, went through it. There's a a few episodes in there that I really liked, but nothing left me with such a happy feeling at the end of it as this one did. Hmm. I'm going to have to do a little more research. Yeah. But I will say that I enjoyed this episode a lot. Yeah, this was... And I did read a review where they go, people like to say it's as good as the Golden Year episodes, and that's all bullshit. To me, this one felt as close to a golden era episode as we've had for a very long time. It didn't mm. try, it didn't overstep the boundaries of being unrealistic. There weren't many gags in there that felt silly. It was all there for a purpose and great yeah. you know, movie references and just good, being Good hit miss ratio when it came to the gags. There were only a few where you yeah. go, as I did. Mostly it was like, yeah, nice one. <laughs> yeah. They were smart and they were funny. What I liked was that it felt original. It's not very often that you get an original story that works. And Mo being sweet and helping Maggie, two characters you don't really see hang out all that often, it just felt natural. And yeah, I was like, well, I'm surprised I hadn't done this already. So Mo Baby Blues, a fantastic episode. You did all right, Simpsons. What did we learn, Palmer? So what'd you learn from Mo Baby Blues, Mr. Davis? I think I've learned something, but I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure because I'm probably going to mispronounce it this time as well. I think this may have uh, taught me how to pronounce Castellanata. Castel- it's actually Castellanetta. <laughs> Castellanetta. Then clearly no. I, d- I learned nothing from this episode. <laughs> I think I've been saying Castellanata as well, but it's, yeah, they, well, he says Castellanetta. Castellanetta. So, so let's go with Castellanetta then, because if there's anyone to trust, it's that man. It is indeed. Yes. Joe, Joe Montonia. No, no, Fat Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fat Tina. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that I never trust an Italian going to a restroom. From this day forward, your names will be... All right, so it is time for the Guy Davis New Name Championship. So, obviously, Mr. Davis, we already know who's won the Guy Davis New Name Championship for Season 14, and it was one Philip J. Hawkins. But we are also going to be drawing out a wildcard winner as well in just a few moments. But first, you've got to give us some notable mentions and some final points. So, what have we got for Mo Baby Blues? Well, actually, no notable mentions this time around. I thought we'd just cut straight to the chase and go mm-hmm. three, two, one. Okay. Two, three, as the case may be. And one point goes to, God, my handwriting is terrible, but I'm pretty sure it's Jared. Jared Hornby? No, Howard. Jared Howard. Okay, Jared Howard. Yes. Okay, cool. I think it's the first time Jared's on the board. So, well done, Jared. You now got yourself into wildcard draw. Well done. What's Jared got yeah, for I, us? I thought I'd introduce one more wildcard just in case. Um, I quite like this. It's a bit, it's uneasy on the eye, but it does the trick. Mogi. <laughs> M-O-E-G-G-I-E. <laughs> I didn't mind it. Uh, two points go to Mark Boston Burgess for Papa's Got a Brand New Mag. And three points for two new titles to Luke McKay or Mackay. Mm. We have never really worked it out, but Luke gave us two new titles that I really liked. Um, Eeny, meeny, Maggie Moe. That's great. Yes, well and, done. But what I think is the best one mm. uh, is Bartender Loving Care. Wow. He deserves those three points this week. Those were great titles. He does indeed. Yeah. Well done, Luke. That now puts Luke in the final top three for season 14. He just edged yeah. out Steve Roberts. So in fourth position, we had Steve Roberts on 13. In third, we had Luke McKay, Luke McKay on 14. 
Talia Enrique is on 19 in second, and Philip J. Hawkins on 30 points atop the leaderboard oh, wow. for season 14. So well ahead. So well done, Phil Hawkins. Congratulations, sir. So, so congratulations to everyone who yes, took part in the new name challenge throughout uh, season 14. That's Winners right. each and every one of you, except in a more real sense, Philip J. Hawkins is the winner. <laughs> I'm just now going to put Jared Howard's name into the little thing here, little program that sort of randomly picks a name to who's going to be the wild card winner. One second. All right, Jared Howard's name is in there at the bottom. All right, so now I hit randomize. It's going to pick one name <laughs> from all the names who have been read out on the Guy Davis Newton Championship for season 14, and this wild card will win themselves $50. Wow. Should we do it right now? Let's do it. Do it right A now. one, and a two, and a three, and a Randomize. The winner of the $50 is Mr. James Proctor. Congratulations, Pro- sir. Proctor Strange. Nice one, mate. <laughs> Proctor Strange. That's right. Yeah. Proctor Strange was on nine points for season 14. So he gave a, a few good names in there, obviously, to get himself nine points. So congratulations, James. Uh, message me on Facebook and we'll get your details and I'll send you that money ASAP. So congratulations once again to Philip J. Hawkins and to everybody who contributed this season to the Guy Davis New Name Championship. It's going to come back bigger and better in season 15, isn't it, Mr. Davis? It certainly is. Well, we'll, we'll do our damnedest to... Uh keep you uh, entertained and for you to keep us entertained with new names. JaVale! JaVale is here! Okay, Mr. Davis, the first question here from the mailbag for Mo Baby Blues. So Mark Bossenberger says, Elephant in the room. Was the whole Mo-Maggie relationship a bit creepy or was it just a story of a friend bonding over a dog? We've currently already discussed this, haven't we? I I like to think it's not creepy in the slot. Well, he oversteps his bounds a little, but not in a creepy fashion. Yeah, it it is kind of creepy. He has a camera and stuff, but he had the best intentions. He wasn't trying to spy on a baby. It was he wanted to help out. This is not exactly uh, groundskeeper Willie installing cameras in the school's bathrooms. This one's for you, Mr. Davis. Andrew JP says... What are your favourite gangster-themed movies or TV shows? Well, of course, we've got to go with the Godfather saga, haven't we? I mean, yeah, uh, I, I think certainly. And um, what about Goodfellas or Casino? Or I'm, of course, I'm partial to very partial to Goodfellas. It's a fantastic movie. If I can recommend a book, if anyone's interested in the film Goodfellas, by all means, get on Amazon or your bookstore of choice and track down a book called Made Men: The Making mm-hmm. of Goodfellas by a terrific writer named Glenn Kenny. Uh, I bought it a little while back, knocked it over in like two days, full of great anecdotes, full of behind-the-scenes stuff. He had access to a whole lot of people. So if you like Goodfellas, this is a very good read indeed. But I, I think I've got to go back to The Godfather. It's just uh, it's a world you can just really just sink into and spend uh, a lot of time just enjoying and uh, and appreciating. How many people do you think have purchased Made Men expecting it to be a book about advertising? <laughs> well... Caveat emptor, man. Don't be a sucker. Buyer, buyer beware. <laughs> what about TV shows? So obviously, Sopranos is the big one. What's another mafia-based or gangster-themed TV show? That's a really recommend? good question. Uh, it wasn't Boardwalk Empire like a- Boardwalk Empire was sort of yeah. organized crime. Yeah. It's one of those ones like, mm, I'll save that for a bit later. And of course, it's been a few years and never really- You've never, never watched it? Okay. No, no. Not either. No, everyone recommends how amazing it is. Is that the one who's got- Bashimi, Bashimi, Bashimi. It's always Bashimi to me. (laughs) Yeah, how soon we forget? He told us how to pronounce his last surname in the last episode. Yeah, uh, Bashimi is the lead in uh, in Boardwalk Empire. Got apparently a very good cast, some very good action, and some yeah, some great stories. But as is the way in this uh, modern society, (laughs) uh, too much content. We also got a message here uh, from Elliot. Uh, or as he says, oh, smell it. Twice Elliot saying, Daddy, come on. <laughs> yeah, to our Simpsons mailbag at gmail.com. Remember, guys, you want to write into the show, Simpsons mailbag at gmail.com. He says, Hey, Dando and Guy, I had a direct message to you a while back about the band Fish, but anyway, I was listening to the most recent episode and couldn't help myself to reach out and say Arby's is really just known for their roast beef sandwiches because we were discussing <laughs> Arby's recently, and it stands for America's Roast Beef. There you go. Ah, nice yeah. one. He also says, uh, I think the Y stands for your way. So American beef, roast beef, your way. You would need to look that up. He, yeah, it's definitely kind of trashy, cheap food. He rarely goes. In the northeast where I am, there is... Wait, in the northeast where I am, there is hardly any that you see. From Maine where I am, uh, through Mass, I don't even know if there any Arby's still exist. Almost associated with 80s and 90s. Although I bet there's still a big thing in the dirty south. 
<laughs> this country is quite massive. So anyway, keep up the good work. Stay healthy. Love smelling it. So what were you going to say, Mr. Davis? <laughs> the wires are typo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just remembered another good mob-themed uh, oh, okay. TV series. Mm-hmm. It's actually not the Italian mob. This is more the Irish mob, mm-hmm. uh, but it's called Brotherhood. Went for three seasons. Stars Jason Isaacs, who you may remember as Lucius Malfoy from the Harry Potter movies, and Australian actor Jason Clark. One is a mobster. They're two brothers. One's a mobster. One's a politician. Their paths invariably cross. It's a really, really good show. It's a bit unheralded. I don't know if you can find it on streaming, but uh, as is the way these days with our modern technology, I'm sure you can track it down some way. But Brotherhood TV series from uh, the 2010s. Very good. Guys, let's check it out. Okay, there you go. Guy Davis's seal of approval. <laughs> we now got one last one here from Christy J, who is from Cincinnati. She says, she says, hey, Guy and Dan, I've been listening to the show for four years and I thought it was time that I write in. No question here. Just wanted to say thanks for providing hours of entertainment during what's been a shitty time in the world for the last couple of years. It's one of my favorite things to listen to you guys whenever I'm cleaning the house, going exercising or taking the dog for a walk. I promise to become wow. a patient in 2022. Thanks again. Wow. So that was Christy J. Christy J from Cincinnati. The lovely state of Ohio, I believe. All right, Christy J, thank you so much. You're clearly a very motivated person because you're doing three <laughs> things that we never do. Clean the house, go out and exercise. <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for your promised patronage. Uh, but even just having your ears around for our show is is marvellous. Very nice yes. to hear from you. Love to hear from more, more such listeners. Yes, so simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from all of you. Okay, so finally here, we had the listener question of the week. And the question was, Mr. Davis, which Simpsons quote do you use the most in day-to-day life and in what context? And this has exploded on social media. So I posted this on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash fourfinger discount. If you haven't liked it yet, make sure you check it out. And we've had over 1.1 thousand comments in 24 Whoa. hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just go to the most relevant. Okay, we'll read the top ones here. So Ryan King. Let, let's go with ours first. Let's. I'll explain my mine. You go. My my go tos are always whenever Nicholas says, "Are you ready?" Just got to put my shoes on. I <laughs> always say that. I always whenever whenever I have to say yes, I say yes. <laughs> That's one thing. They're my two favorites. What about yourself? Oh no, actually, another one is for me. Whenever we park the car, remember we're in the itchy lot. <laughs> it took years for Nicholas to understand what I was talking about. <laughs> I have two that I use on the semi-regular. Yeah. I don't know if it's a phrase so much, but it's certainly whenever I'm uh, tempted to sort of buy the cheap option of something, it's like, yeah, I'll get the Sawney. (laughs) (laughs) I I know a real panophonic when I know one. Yeah. I'll say, (laughs) do you have this in Sawney? Um, (laughs) But my favorite is um, whenever I'm sort of confronted by vegetarians or a vegetarian option, it's like, I I always take the Homer on this. This is lamb, not a lamb. <laughs> I'll be going to go there. They don't win, you don't win friends of salad. It's not very. Qu- <laughs> I feel like it's not very quotable though. You don't win friends of salad. As not much as really, it's memorable, no, you can't really no. use it and make it sound natural. It's sort of people do try to use it in that way, but it really just works in the context of you don't win friends with salad. I'm sorry, yeah. I just remembered my third one. Yeah, and this yeah. is one that I use all, all, all the time. Uh, whenever someone tries to be innovative, it's like don't try to be innovative. Just take an existing thing and put a clock in it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's actually really good creative advice. So. I actually quote, so that's from the episode where Unky Herb comes back with his um, baby translator. Yeah. So I actually quote that a lot now when Maggie, uh, Maggie, sorry, when Holly shits herself and Maggie does a translate, I have saw myself. myself. How embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, so let's get into now the, we'll start with the Facebook page. The most relevant. So Ryan King, much like myself, just going to put my shoes on whenever he's getting ready to leave. <laughs> Stephanie Hall, in her old job when she was bored in meetings, which was often, she would try and sneak in Simpsons quotes. She used the term perfectly cromulent on more than one occasion and was never <laughs> challenged on it. Uh, Mark Lipson, also with the, uh, remember we're in the itchy lot and uh, whenever he'd park in Westfield, except she's not an, his wife's not an avid Simpsons fan and had no idea what he was referring to. <laughs> Or whenever someone at work wants me to do something, this is from Alex Gilks. I'll just type this up on my invisible typewriter. <laughs> I'll go a couple more from the Facebook page. Uh, whenever someone misspells something, me fail English, that's impossible. Oh, that's a very man. quotable one, isn't it? That's from Lisa Marie Lacey. I am, so Adam Brokey, or Brocky, I should say, he's a, he's a team leader at work so to his employees. You tried your best and you failed miserably. 
listeners, never, never try. try. All right, let's head over now to the Instagram page at Four Finger Discount. Make sure you follow us on there if you're not already doing so. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this person, this is from at Sarah Cantreed. And she says, I'm an office manager at a merch company and needless to say, I have to write or say the word taxes a lot. So she always says, the finger thing means the taxes. Remember that? <laughs> the finger thing? <laughs> uh, you know, whenever someone's getting booed, that the boo earns, that's from mm. at Janella Mac 24. When they answer the phone at Leah Jr., you'll have to speak up on wearing a towel. towel. <laughs> a very good one. <laughs> oh, it's very, very good. So at Jake Schiffman. Highly dubious in a Martin <laughs> Prince voice whenever someone says something I disagree with. <laughs> this is from at 42 Black. Whenever I make a mistake, it's my first day. All right, now heading over to the Twitter page now, at Four Finger Pod. Please follow us on there if you're not already doing so. Okay. Thomas E. Reichner, or at Trickner, says, uh, I find myself saying excellent often, much like Mr. Burns. I think mm. a lot of Simpsons fans do do that when something's going well, even with the finger twiddle. Excellent. <laughs> This is from at Dr. Heineken. Oh, sorry. At Samuel Z, Dr. Heineken. Whenever my girlfriend asks for a drink, I follow it with, please. No, when they say <laughs> lemonade. <laughs> from machine scratch. We'll pick a couple more here. Whenever whenever someone does something wrong, this is at Jess Love Cats. Oh, but we can't blame you because you had good <laughs> intentions. <laughs> oh, this is obvious. How do we know and ever say this one yet? So at Great White Gibster. Whenever oh. I have to say hi, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. All right, well, let's head over now to the patrons just to wrap up this listener question of the week. I, th- I feel like there's a Simpsons quote for every scenario in life, don't you think? Oh, goodness, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'd be hard-pressed to think of any where you could not slot something in. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing. All right, so, so we asked the patrons as well. Remember, guys, if you want to be a... Supporter of the show, you can go to mm. patreon.com slash four-finger discount. Ah, so we're kicking off with James Proctor, our wild card winner. Ah, everything's coming up uh, Proctor today. Yeah. He says, there you go. You just need another Simpsons quote. There you are. <laughs> if, if I'm out walking or running and a car stops to let me cross the road, I often find myself saying, what a nice fella, in a George Harrison. <laughs> when he meets Homer. When he meets Homer. What a nice fella. <laughs> when it, Zach Pruitt says, whenever I answer the phone, ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. So, groundskeeper Noah, obviously, groundskeeper in Chicago, mm. I believe, Noah Daniel. When any teacher that's annoying me asks me to do something for them, Willie hears you. Willie don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pick one more. Yeah, well, this one's classic. Whenever he has to say goodbye to somebody, Liam Reed, he says, bye, like snake. <laughs> All right, so that is the listener question of the week. There's so many to read through. We just haven't got the time to read through them all. But thank you to everybody who contributed to the question of the week. I do read through them all, and you're all absolute champions. Thanks for being a part of it. All right, that has been our review of Mo Baby Blues, and that's the finale of season 14. We are all done. Finito, complete. Thank you, and we hope you enjoyed season 14. I enjoyed season 14 a lot more than I thought I was going to. I'm not going to lie. There were some shit episodes in there, particularly the last couple that we reviewed. But, you know, on on the all, it was an entertaining thoroughly enjoyable season of the simpsons not anywhere up to the level of the golden era but still very fun we're not completely in the weeds yet people no (laughs) we're certainly not but speaking of that season 15 it's coming up (laughs) it's coming up and i believe it kicks off with the treehouse of horror episode treehouse of horror 14 so excited always love the treehouse of horror i think if you're going to kick off a new season kicking off a treehouse of horror is always a fun way to do it gets you into the the (laughs) happy mood it's always it's not canon so it's a bit of fun so yes treehouse of horror uh, 14 will be the next review here on four finger discount this has been season 14 my baby blues Thank you, everyone, who has supported the show. And if you do enjoy everything we do here at Four Finger Discount and you want to get early access to all the shows we do, you can become a supporter of the show at patreon.com slash discount. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for those amazing listeners out there? Life don't seem so hard no more. Shh.